you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start there. We're going to uh, head over to Daniel as well. We're continuing our series through the book of Daniel. Uh, we have been in the book of Daniel throughout November and December. Uh, this week, we want to notice how the book of Daniel points us to the birth of Christ. Now, Matthew thought that it was necessary to tell us about a group uh, called the Magi. In most of our Bibles, it's translated as wise men. Uh, magi is the word that we, we get uh, magicians, and, and uh, they're, they're probably more accurately described as, as uh, those who do astrology, those who look and study the stars and its impact. So Matthew thought that it was necessary to tell us about these wise men, but who are these wise men? How did they know to come and worship a king? Well, I believe the best place to answer this question is from the book of Daniel. But we're going to start out in Matthew chapter 2, and then we're going to seek specific answers from Daniel. So let's start out. Matthew chapter 2, let's look at verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Key point number one for us this morning is this. Don't underestimate God's ability to make sure his word is known in far places. Don't underestimate God's ability to make sure that his word is known in far places. Now, how did they know about this star? Well, first of all, they knew stars. They knew stars quite well. In fact, in, in my office at home, I have uh, uh, several uh, pieces of replicas and things along those lines of things from history. And I have a Babylonian astrological almanac. Uh, it is, it's a piece of stone that's about this big. It's a replica. Don't, I don't have any ancient artifacts, but. Uh, this, this replica is about this, this big, and it is a reminder that these, these people knew and studied the stars extremely well. So one of the ways that they knew about the stars is that if any phenomenon were to happen, anything out of the ordinary, anything unusual, they knew the stars well enough, and they knew their routines well enough that they would certainly have made note. Second long before Daniel, long before he was taken cap into captivity to Babylon, there was a man named Balaam. Now we read about Balaam in the books of Moses, more specifically the book of Numbers, chapters 22 through 24. Now let me give you the quick cliff notes or spark notes overview of Balaam, okay? So first of all, we have uh, a king. This king is known as, as Balak of Moab. And he wanted someone to curse the nation of Israel. They were threatened by this nation and they had heard the things that uh, they were doing and knew that they were expanding. And he, he was a uh, king that wanted to put a stop to that. So he knew of a pagan prophet and that pagan prophet's name was Balaam. So Balaam then was a prophet who lived along the Euphrates River. 
That's significant. And a lot of times I get it. I know we don't pay attention to the maps in the back of the Bible. We don't pay attention to those verses when it says where they lived. But this is extremely important because the Euphrates River runs through what we call today Iraq. In fact, what was once known as the Babylonian Empire. Okay? In other words, long before Daniel was ever there, long before any of that was happening, long before King Nebuchadnezzar, living right along the Euphrates River was a man, a pagan prophet named Balaam. Now, Balaam explains to Balak that he can only curse Israel if God tells him to do it. So he reluctantly accepts the job, saddles his donkey, and heads off for Moab. Along his way, the angel of the Lord stood in the middle of the road with a sword extended. Now, Balaam could not see the angel of the Lord, but the donkey could. The donkey actually saw the angel standing there with the sword and knew the imminent danger. So the donkey moved off of the path to avoid the danger. Not once, not twice, but three times. And unable to go around, the donkey then just laid down. And each time, Balaam's frustration grew, and he struck the donkey. As a result, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and it spoke to Balaam. Yes, you heard me right. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey spoke to Balaam. And he says, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Now, I have to admit, it's even funnier if you go back and read it with your best Eddie Murphy impersonation, uh, because, you know, when you think of talking donkeys, that's really what comes to my mind anyway. You know, what have I done to you? Uh, that's all right. I, my apologies to Eddie Murphy. So the Lord then opened the eyes of Balaam, and the angel of the Lord then spoke to Balaam. So he has a talking donkey that's saying, what have I done to you that you would strike me these three times? And then on top of that, then his eyes are open. He now sees the angel of the Lord, which by the way is a, um, an appearance. It's a Christophany. Whenever we see the angel of the Lord, this is actually Christ himself. So he has seen Christ standing there holding the sword. And here's what he says to Balaam. Why did you hit your donkey? If she hadn't turned, you'd be dead. Go, but only speak the things that I tell you. So Balaam shows up to meet Balak. But instead of cursing Israel, Balaam ends up blessing Israel. He did this not once, not twice, but three times. And then Balak then gets frustrated. He's like, look, if you can't curse Israel, then please just stop talking don't say anything at all. Don't, don't give a blessing. Don't, don't curse. Don't do anything. Just stop blessing them and go home. Well, then Balaam actually gives four more prophecies. So, so a total of seven prophecies of blessing. But it's the fourth one that stands out. It's this fourth one of these seven, the one right there in the middle that stands out. It's found in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, and here's what it says. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. 
a scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of the tumult. Now, that, that fourth blessing, that fourth prophecy would certainly have concerned Balak, right? Why? Because Balak is a Moab. Yeah, he's a Moabite. And they're talking about how not only is, is a, someone going to come up out of Israel, they're going to batter the brow of the Moabites. And not only that, destroy all the sons of the tumult. In other words, not just them, but the others as well. So the Ammonites, the, the others that are nearby, are all going to be impacted. So many people wrongly assume that because we have a talking donkey, that the narrative of Balaam is a work of fiction. In other words, you know, stories with talking donkeys, they begin once upon a time, right? I mean, let's face it, that's what we have even in our own culture. We're told that talking donkeys are supposed to sound like Eddie Murphy, and there's green ogres, and it all begins with once upon a time, and, and that's, that's, that's how talking donkeys, that's where they belong. So there's no way that this guy named Balaam actually existed, right? Well, in 1967, an archaeologist discovered a text written on a wall of plaster in Jordan. The text is about 50 lines in length, and the inscription was taken from a much older document that no longer exists. The text is written in Aramaic and starts with these words, warnings from the book of Balaam, the son of Beor. He was a seer of the gods. Hmm. So historically, we know that this guy actually did exist. We see from archaeology that not only did this guy exist, he was well known. He had a book of all the things that he was, was uh, known to have uh, prophesied and all the cursings. In fact, he was so well known he was specifically ha had a reputation for pronouncing curses. That certainly makes sense then why someone like the King Balak of Moab would reach out to someone with that type of reputation. To reach out to someone like Balaam who had a reputation of, of cursing others. So while we don't know the full content of the book of Balaam, we have enough to confirm a few things. Let's consider these. Number one, Balaam was a real historic person. We know that. Number two, he was a pagan prophet. Number three, he had a reputation of pronouncing prophetic curses. Number four, he had a book that contained a record of at least the curses mentioned in these, these 50 lines, the inscription here. Number five, people knew of Balaam's prophecies for centuries, for centuries. And number six, these prophecies were well known in the East. Okay? So now let's remember what happened in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verse 48, then the king Nebuchadnezzar promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. Why? Because he could 
tell, he told King Nebuchadnezzar about his dream. He told him what it meant. And, he, and what did King Nebuchadnezzar do for Daniel? It says he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Do you see what's happening? Hundreds of years before Daniel, there was a prophet who lived in what would become known as Babylon named Balaam. Balaam made, prophets, made prophecies. They were well known. Daniel comes along centuries later, and he is elevated to becoming the person who is going to oversee the chief administrator over all of the wise men of Babylon, those who were even likely descendants of Balaam, those who have studied people like Balaam, those who have heard of these prophecies, and now they're going to have someone who is over them, a chief administrator who can give context to all of that. So we see that Daniel's influence continued to prosper, not, under, not just under King Nebuchadnezzar, but it even went into the reign of Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persian. So since Daniel had been given authority and influence over all the wise men of Babylon, there is little doubt that we, he would have shared the details of Balaam's prophecy, a prophecy with which they were probably already familiar. So how did these wise men know to follow the star and that the star would lead them to the king born in Israel? Because it had been talked about for centuries by seers and astrologers throughout the Babylon area. In other words, don't underestimate God's ability to make sure that his word is known in far places. He's going to do some incredible things. God can, because he is not bound by time, because he knows all things and can do all things, even centuries before, he can make out a plan and an incredible master plan that boggles our mind. We couldn't even make plans for the year 2020 without those things going upside down on us, right? And God himself says, you know what, centuries before any of this stuff happens, I am, I am laying all of this out. So here, listen to this, don't miss this. Because God has this ability and he, to, to make his word known, and he even wants to use you to make the gospel known. Over 3,400 years ago, God used a pagan prophet and a talking donkey to make known a prophecy of the coming Messiah. 3,400 years ago. Over 2,800 years ago, a non-Hebrew people were still talking about Balaam's prophecy, and they wrote about some of those curses on a plaster wall. In other words, hundreds of years have passed since Balaam, when that discovery that was placed on the wall, that was hundreds of years later, they're still talking about Balaam. They're still talking about his prophecies. 2,500 years ago, God used Daniel to teach and to oversee all of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel had a vision that even told him the exact timeline of when to expect to see 
that star. And then over 2,000 years ago, God placed a star at just the right moment to let the wise men who knew of the prophecy that the time had come. Over 50 years ago, God used an archaeologist who discovered the ancient text and affirmed God's word and his prophecies. And today, I'm standing before you and affirm that the word of God is sure. And I am reminded of the words of Isaiah who declares the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever.